So in this Why God series, Pastor Kotz has been deconstructing this childhood version of Christianity. And some of you may be like, yes, this is like what the pieces are coming together. This is great. I, I can be part of this, right? I want to be part of this movement. And maybe some of you are like, oh, wow, darn, I've been doing it wrong. And I don't know what's going on. And how do I get started? What do I do now? And you have this pile of, of puzzle pieces and you're, you're getting kind of anxious or you're confused because you don't know how to put the puzzle together. And I want you to know that wherever you are in the process, whatever you're feeling, that it's okay. That this is not about being right or wrong or good or bad. It's not a competition, even though I try to make everything a competition. It's not a competition. Like wherever we are in the process, it's a good thing because it's about love. I just said it's not about good or bad, and then I just said it's good. I know, I know. It's about love. And last week, Kotz talked about how God is love. And I love this quote by James Finley. He's an ex-Trappist monk. He says, there's no such thing as a deprivation of love. There's no such thing as a deprivation of love. But there's the deprivation of the capacity to experience the love that is never missing. There's a deprivation of the capacity to experience the love that is never missing. So to paraphrase, is God is love. And he's so generous with his love. Like he wants to pour out his love on us. And he doesn't hold back. He's so generous with his love. But what's missing is our ability to receive and experience his love. Do you get what I'm saying? Or what James Finley is saying? Like his love is made so available to us. It's so available. He wants us to have it. But what's missing is our capacity to experience it and to receive his love. And so many of us taught, but we're, you know, before that um, God will love us if we change. God will love us if we stop lying. God will love us if we stop smoking and drinking and, you know, doing these things. If we could stop doing these things, then he's going to love us. Then he's going to accept us. But the reality is faith 2.0 is, is God already loves us. And it's his love that it's a catalyst to changing, to our change, to how we change. His love for us is the catalyst for change. And God loves us and he invites us into this inward journey to look inside us, to unblock the things, to unblock what is keeping us from receiving and experiencing his love. Okay, so he loves us so much. And so God's love is the catalyst for change and he pursues us. The same John that wrote that God is love He wrote this. He wrote Jesus' words. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Like if we want God, if we want Jesus, that means that Jesus has already been pursuing us. If we want him, you know, if we've been pursuing him and we're like, God, where are you? I'm praying to you. Where are you? How come I don't hear you? How come I feel like you're far away? How come when I, you know, you're, I don't feel it. I don't feel, I pray and I don't hear anything. It doesn't mean that God's not here. What it means is that God 
has already been pursuing you. He has already been wanting to be with you. He's already been wanting to talk with you. He loves us and he pursues us. If you are moving towards God, if you're here today because you're moving towards God, that means that he's already been moving towards you. And so God's love is a catalyst for change. He pursues us, but he invites us to look inward to unblock what is keeping us from experiencing his love. How does he do it? It's the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about God, the Father. We had that one series where we talked God about God, the Father, and uh, God, the Son, who we know is Jesus, and God, the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he is with us, and he gives power to do the things that, that, he, that will change our lives, that will help us to, to, you know, to um, love God more and to experience his love. He's moving He's in and around us, and he's helping us to change. And so how does he do it? And so we're going to look. I'm just going to briefly go through these kind of these themes that we see throughout the Bible about the Holy Spirit um, and how he moves. So first one, he will search our hearts and show us what it is we need to change. He searches our hearts. He pursues us, and he searches our hearts. He will lead us and guide us in life. Like, we really don't have to do this alone. He is with us, and he helps us. He strengthens us. We do this by his power. He will show us truth and teach us. He will counsel us and help us. He will help us to live the life we need. And so looking inward, it's not easy to do, right? Like, so, it's so much easier to do the old, you know, Christianity, the childhood Christianity, because it'd be like, you know what? Just wake up a little earlier and read your Bible and pray. And then we could do, oh, we did it, and we check it out, we're done, right? But what God is inviting us to do is hard work, and it takes time, and it takes reflection, and it takes digging deep, because he wants us to look inward to unblock what is keeping us from receiving and accepting and experiencing his love. And so for those of you who like formulas... There's three things that we can do. The first is uh, seek him, ask him, and trust him. So we're going to look at seek him. When we seek the Holy Spirit, remember, he's pursuing us. He's moving. When we seek him, it's like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in my life? How are you moving in me? Or what do you want to do in me so that I can, you know, unblock the pathway to let God's love in, to let your love in? And so he's showing us the truth about maybe our fear or our hurt or our shame or our guilt or our pride. And he wants us to see what's blocking our capacity to love him. First John 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Right? And when I was a child, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to confess my sin. He's going to forgive me, and I'm going to be cleansed. Because I have to be clean if I'm going to go before God. Right? But that's so not. What, I mean, it's kind of at a very high level, that's what God is saying. But on the ground level, it's just, you know, we don't want to confess our sins. Right? But it's, it's that being, risking the vulnerability to share what's inside us that fear that we have, that maybe that inadequacy that we feel, that thing that we're hiding that we don't want others to see, that thing that we're hiding that we don't, we don't even want to see. 
the Spirit's inviting us to light, to come in and to seek Him, and by His love and His power, give us the courage to look at that stuff. Because that is the thing that's blocking His love, that, that we are unable to receive His love because, because our fear is blocking it. When we do this, we open ourselves to the Spirit, and He gives us space to experience His love and His acceptance. The more we can dig and risk vulnerability, the more we will experience God's love. There's so much love available to us. But the problem is making ourselves available to it, to his love, to being willing to receive his love. So we need to seek the Spirit. And the second thing we need to do is ask him. Ask him to change what needs to be changed in you. And this is so uncomfortable, right? Because we want the other person to change, right? We want our spouses to change. We want our parents to change. We want our children to change. We want our boss to change, right? It's so much easier if the other person changes and we pray for them, like, please, Lord, change my boss and make him more understanding. But this is what we know Uh, what research tells us about blame. Brene Brown, she said this, blame is simply the discharging of discomfort and pain. Blaming is a way of discharging anger. And so when we try to blame others, what's really happening is this pain and this anger, this discomfort that's inside us that we're trying to press down, it wants to come out. It has to come out. And God says, I love you, and let's deal with that. Like, let's bring what you're trying to hide, what you're, you know, out into the light, into my presence, and and let love be the catalyst for change. Let me, you know, bring healing to that so that we can stop blaming others and look inward and unblock what is keeping us from experiencing his love. Because when that stuff comes out, it opens the pathways for us to experience his love so that we can love, so that we can authentically love God, so we can authentically really love one another and even love ourselves. And so then we need to, you know, we need to seek him, we need to ask him, but we need to trust him. Because remember, the Spirit's moving. And he is going to be speaking to us, he's going to be teaching us and guiding us. And so when, we, when he does that, we need to listen to him and do what he says and trust him. And so he may be, you know, a lot of times in my old faith, you know, they'd say, well, if God is doing this, you know, or, or if this thing was easy, you know, if my boss automatically changed and work was easy, then that means God was with you. And that may happen, but I like to say that most of the time, it's still going to be hard. But we know that God is with us even in the difficult things, even in the challenges. He wants to be with us in those moments. And so we need to trust him and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and do what he tells us to do because that is going to be the way that we're going to be able to unblock, right, the, um, the things that are keeping us from receiving his love. And so his love, it changes. It's the catalyst for change. And we need to, we need to seek him, we need to ask him, and we need to trust him. 
And God's love is also, you know, the catalyst for change as we experience his love, right? He invites us inward to um, unblock what is keeping us from experiencing his love. And so the last thing we need to do is we, we need to experience God's love. And I have to say, us, we Christians, we followers of God, we love information, right? We love gathering information. We'll read our Bible. We'll listen to the blogs. We'll hear sermons. We'll listen to podcasts. We love it. But we also need to be good and intentional about experiences, like gathering experiences where we feel God's love, where we know God's love, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And we do it by being with one another. God designed us to be in relationship with one another. Safe people, they make God's love tangible. And we experience his love through people. Which is why James writes, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How many times are we like... Um, can you pray for me? I can't tell you right now, but God knows. And so if you just pray for me, you know, God knows what's going on, right? And we do that, and we're like, yes, of course we'll pray for you. And of course, you know, that's fine. That's good. I mean, it's great that we're asking for prayer. I don't want to, like, make fun of that. But what I'm thinking is if when we do that, we miss a great opportunity for us to experience God's love. Because when we can risk vulnerability and share, like, you know what, I am so afraid of this, or I am so embarrassed about this, or I am like, this is probably the worst thing that anyone has ever done, and I don't want to tell you, that we miss the opportunity of experiencing God's love, that that thing is blocking us from us really receiving God's love. Because when we can share openly about our, whatever it is, our fear, our brokenness, our weakness, and we see people's tears, and they cry with us, and they comfort us, and we can see and experience their compassion, then we, we, we don't just know God loves us, but we know it in our hearts, and we experience it, and we take it in, and God's just all oh, unblocking all of these things, right? He's unblocking in us what is keeping us from receiving and experiencing his love. And so, you know, God's love, he loved us first. His love is the catalyst for change. He wants us to, you know, look inward to unblock what is um, keeping us from receiving his love. And, you know, I can come up and talk with you another 15 minutes about this, but I've asked Karu Mobahil (laughs) to come up and share. So as Karu makes her way up, You know, <laughs> yeah, just, just bring it on. Bring a whole box here. Uh, we're going to need it. Yeah, we better pass it around. No, just kidding. Um, many of you know Kadu. Um, she um, sometimes sings on the worship team. You might see her teaching Kid Zone. You're going to see her at Refresh because she's doing Refresh today. Um, and many of you may know that she and Ryan and Trent and Mason and Kendall are the recipients of the Habitat home in Culver City. One of the to- 10 homes is going to her. And I have seen how God's love has been the catalyst for Karu and how she has risked vulnerability 
and has been open with us in our life group and how that, how love has just changed her. And not only have I been a witness to it, but it's like God, his love was the callus for her change. She was vulnerable. Like those things that were blocking, right, was free. And, and I mean, we're the ones who are lucky. I'm so lucky because I'm the one who is like a recipient of the love that she's sharing now, right? That she authentically loves him so much more that she, like, authentically loves us so much more. And I can see how, uh, I can't look at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I can see how Karu just authentically loves herself so much more. So um, thank you for being brave and for sharing um, your story. And I won't sit down. I will just stand here. This will be our water and our table. Okay, so I, I'm so, I, girl, this, she is so brave because I'm not wasting any time. We only got like 15 more minutes. And so I'm going to go deep right away. So thank you. She knew this ahead of time. Um, but as an adult, um, you experience a few traumatic experiences in a short period of time. And so I was hoping that you could share with us what happened um, and how these events shaped. Um, your understanding of God and faith. Um, Sorry. I, um, I think as an adult, my life has always been chaotic. I think my whole life has just been chaotic. It's always been busy. It's always just been full of events. Um, I think after um, my son Trent was born, um, my parents' health started to deteriorate. Um, so. It was a busy life. My boys and I and, and my husband at the time lived with them, and you know we took care of each other. Um, so I had, you know, aging parents to deal with. And Kendall came on board really early, um, at 24 weeks, a pound and a half, and um, so that tested um, my faith. And uh, you know, and and it was okay. It, that's just kind of how. You know, I just felt like that was what God put on our plate and that we dealt with and we did everything we could and just felt that, you know, we could rely on God to pick up the slack, you know, whatever we needed. But, you know, that was in 2000 when Kendall was born and in 2001 with 9-11 and the world just really being shook to its core. Um, I just felt like a real um, uneasiness in my um faith, I think in, more in people, not in God, but in, you know, in people, and it really became personal when um, 2002, my boss's son was kidnapped and murdered. He was a Wall Street journalist, the bureau chief officer in India. His name was Daniel Pearl. Um, he was uh, abducted and beheaded and dismembered and um, you know, through that time when he was first abducted, we're just praying that, you know, that he be set free. Um, and that wasn't the, the case. A year later, another event, um, a dear friend of mine was diagnosed with bilateral lung cancer and, you know, prayed for her to be healed. And she was young and healthy. And less than two months after her diagnosis, she died. 
And then a year later, February 2004, my friend's husband was an LAPD officer who was shot and killed in the line of duty um, going into a domestic violence um, call. And, you know, in all of these events, it was like, you know, praying to God that these horrific events would be changed, that Danny would somehow talk his abductors into letting him go, that Marie's um, cancer could be healed, um, that um, Ricardo would survive his gunshot wounds, you know, and all of these were just, you know, pleased to God, asking for his intervention and not seeing that. And um, I think the realization that the world can be very cruel um, and knowing that it is uh, the gift that God gave us of free will, who gave all people free will, that just because the things don't happen as we want does not mean it's God's will, that it's not God's will that we are in pain or that we suffer um, or that our hearts break because um, when our hearts break, God's heart, heart breaks. And I think in going through that, we just need to turn to him even more so. so. <laughs> that was good, thank you, that was good, that was good. So, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, we, we started our life group about seven years ago, almost seven years ago. And in the beginning, we really didn't know each other that well. And so we uh, took some time to um, just to really connect and get to know one another and build trust. And from my perspective, there was one event that challenged all of us, but you especially, and um, you were so brave and courageous. I feel like just so brave, and you risk being vulnerable. And um, what, for whatever circumstances you can share, um, you were asked to leave your house, and are you allowed our group to come in um, and to help you prepare for that? So can you share kind of like what, the situation was, how you were feeling, and how you experienced God's love through our life group. Um, so life group started just after my dad had passed away. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my boys and I and my husband at the time um, lived with my parents. We took care of each other. Um, but after my, even before my dad's passing, there started to be some sibling turmoil um, as to the house and how things were working. So after my dad passed, it became more apparent that we were gonna have to move. And I had been there my whole life. I mean, I was born and raised there. It was 49 years in one place. And, you know, taking care of two parents and Kendall and his brothers was, you know, not a lot of time for cleaning. So my house was a mess. Now I can't say that now because my house is still a mess, but <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> um, you know, life group came in. They, they allowed me first to share my situation, to vent my situation. I mean, a lot of it was just me being very angry and very hurt. Um, but after several attempts of them, uh, you know, offering to come in, 
I, you know, I finally broke down and just, you know, allowed them in because I really, I realized that it wasn't um, my pride that should be in the way, but it was allowing for God's love to take place. And um, having them come in to a very, to me, embarrassing and, and messy place was um, definitely a turning point. I mean, it was um, me being able to realize and um, see God's love in other people's actions for us. And uh, it was, um, you know, also at a time when I was feeling um, abandoned and betrayed, you know, by my family and by my ex-husband. And it was just, uh, just very raw on every level. So um, having a, my life group, you know, supportive friends and support of my boys. It was really just knowing that I didn't have to do it by myself and that I could certainly lean on them, but always lean on God to really get me through um, hell. I mean, it really was hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> as I mentioned um, before, um, Kadu applied for the Habitat for Humanity Home in Culver City. And in that process, um, you know, it wasn't like, hey, you know, Oprah, you get a house and you get a house and you get a house. It was like you really had to go through some challenging steps. And, and what I saw in you was like you, it, through each challenge, it wasn't blaming. It wasn't like, Lord, make it away. But you really took responsibility for your life and for your faith. And so I was wondering if you could just share some of that and how God's love was a catalyst for the change in you. Um, so Habitat for Humanity, um, the application process was um, very lengthy and very deep. Uh, it started in December of 2016 and with just an application. So you put your application in and automatically those that do not hit a certain criteria do not go to the next uh, phase. So after thankfully meeting the initial um, process, the next one was going deeper into my personal credit. And then I found that I had, um, there was a credit report on my account that I had no idea about. So I had to come up and clean that up, you know, work with that, work with the banks and take care of that. And all happened just before the deadline to go to the next process. And thankfully, you know, was able to um, get that cleaned up and I was uh, moved into the next round. Um, the next process was removing all debt. So I had just bought a car, the, it's a handicap uh, accessible van um, that I had bought just that July before and I had just other small debt. I was pretty good at my credit cards not you know, being crazy, but to go to the next round, all debt. So that was like, you've got to be kidding me. How is this gonna happen? So thankfully, I was able to go to my siblings that were in power of attorney of my parents' estate and ask them, you know, let them know where I was. And really, my conversations with them have been minimum um, just because of all the things that have gone on. 
Um, but I went to them and they agreed to forward that amount of money to me. So I was able to clear all my debt and continue on in the process. And then the last phase of it was uh, to, I mean, to start the whole process, I wasn't supposed to have any type of legal proceedings going on. But I had filed for my divorce, but it wasn't finalized. So as far as uh, that being concerned, my divorce had to be completed by the deadline. And literally, it was uh, there were a lot of things pending, a lot of anger and a lot of issues going on that needed to be um, dealt with. and. You know, that threw me back into the fire of doing that and uh, thankfully uh, was able to have an agreement signed, was able to have it completed, and it was into the court. Well, it had to be finished by March 31st. On March 23rd, the judge had signed off on it and it was completed. And so once again, right at the deadline, God was really uh, right there with us and um, seeing that through and then it was in the hands of habitat and um you know playing or not playing but you know stating who we were as a family and what we believed in and how we uh, could work with the community was important and um, i think letters from, a letter from west light was helpful and a letter from my boss was helpful but it just played into that even though the application was in my name, and even though the process was lengthy, there was so much help from others that were just extensions of God that just showed us over and over again that it wasn't um, his will that we go through anything alone. And uh, so um, my you know, life group was just there helping me with applications, helping me uh, work out legal uh, issues, um, just in, in so many avenues. I, my mind is just like too much going on there right now, but I mean, it, they were just unbelievably supportive and prayerful and just loving. So don't go anywhere. Um, but I just, you know, thank you so much for sharing and risking and being vulnerable with us. And I know, you know, like Karu always, like she knows this is God's story and she knows that her story, her God story is meant to be shared. And, and so I hope that you can see how, um, how much God loves Karu and her family, that um, she took the risk and that the Holy Spirit helped her and that she was able to just be vulnerable and open herself up to the Spirit and what He can do and what He wants to do. And as a result of her inward looking, you know, her looking inward and kind of bringing out that stuff that, you know, we want to hide out into the light, that God was really able to unblock the things, um, the pride, the fear, whatever that, you know, was really blocking and um, her ability to receive and experience God's love. So thank you so much for sharing. And um, I'll close in prayer and the worship team can come forward. <clears throat>